In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In order for our Lord to write upon our souls what He wants to place within us so that it really bears fruit within us, to see clearly how He wants us to ascend towards something of His nature today, we're going to have to begin today precisely the way that we ended last week. Okay? We, not, we must see very clearly the nature of God and particularly the nature of God in His mercy. The mercy that He is in order to comprehend what He wants to reshape us into becoming by His grace for one another and for those in this world. And so if you'll bear with me for just one moment. Last week, we looked at three different parables that Christ told in concession when He was questioned about how He was dining and fellowshipping and welcoming sinners in His presence. And He answered that by revealing the nature of God, the merciful nature of God with three parables. The last parable that He taught was the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. If you will bear with me for just a few short moments, we need to hear that again, as well as something from one of the fathers, so that we can receive and understand what our Lord Jesus Christ is trying to speak into us today. You'll remember from last week and for many times you've read this blessed parable. That we have a son who is living with all of the incredible, infinite blessings of his father's home, who is a very wealthy man. And one day the son goes up to his father and he pleads with his father, Give me all that belongs to me. Give me the inheritance that I would receive. I desire to go and experience the world outside of your house. I want to go see what that is like and live like they live and all of that. And so the father, with love in his heart, gives his son the inheritance and lets him go. Well, the son goes off into not only that country, but distant lands and other countries. And he is spending down the entirety. He's spending down the entirety of the inheritance that he was given on drunkenness and immorality, immoral living. And we see very clearly that as he is spending down that inheritance and living in that manner, that the quality of existence, the quality of life for that son, remember, it is diminishing. Until he's all out of the inheritance. He's in a distant land, another country, and a famine hits that land. And that son, once, with all of those benefits in the house, now he's working for a pig farmer, and he all he has to eat is the pods that he feeds the pigs. And it's at that point he has a decision to make. I can choose by my will to continue to wilt away and die. But he starts remembering life in his father's house. But here's what he does. He, to himself, he says, with everything that I've done, I know that I am not worthy to be called a son in my father's house again. But I know the servants. I know how the servants are treated in that blessed place. And oh, if I could only just have the life of a servant, it is so far better than what I brought myself to here. And so with that coming back to himself and the humility within him, knowing where every good benefit and life lies, he goes back to the father's house. Now the father, which is the critical aspect of this as well, the father sees him coming in the distance, you remember. And 
what does He do? He doesn't wait for Him to come. The Father initiates the reconciliation. The Father runs to Him. He goes before Him and He sees the condition of His Son. He sees His tattered clothes. He sees His thinness. He sees what His Son has become so far less than what He always knew when He was in His house. And He says, bring the robe. My Son, that he, the robe belongs upon Him. And give me the ring. Put the ring back on His finger. He sold it or lost it. Put it back on His finger. You remember the ring was the ring of family identity. He restored the dignity of the identity of his son to him. And then he says, sandals on his feet, put them on and kill the fatted calf. Today we celebrate. And we see the heart of the father towards the one that comes back having ruined his life. And spent every bit of the inheritance. And I'm going to share with you briefly the words again of St. Ambrose. Why? Again, because if we do not have the mercy of God painted in our minds and our spiritual eyesight, we will not receive what the Lord shares with us from today's gospel. St. Ambrose said this of the Father and us. We are sons. Let us hurry to the Father. Let us not fear because we squandered the inheritance of spiritual dignity that we received on earthly pleasures. Do not fear that perhaps He will not receive you. For the Lord has no pleasure in the destruction of the living. Already meeting you on the way, He falls on your neck. For the Lord sets the fallen right. He will give you a kiss that is the pledge of His piety and love. He will bring the robe, the ring, and shoes to be brought. You still dread harshness, but He has restored dignity. You are terrified of punishment, but he offers a kiss. You fear reproach, but he prepares for you a banquet. And I tell you that what we have just heard, both in Jesus' telling of the parable and the blessed words through the Holy Spirit, through blessed St. Ambrose, what we have heard in both of those things is one of the most glorious and perfect descriptions of the mercy that God is toward mankind. This is his mercy. And so let's look at a few aspects of the mercy of God that we see in both the parable and the teaching of St. Ambrose. First is this, when the son leaves the house and takes his inheritance, the father is not looking, he is not wrathful looking to beat him on his way out of the door. This is not the nature of him. He lets his will have its way and that is love. And off he goes. And in fact, instead of being wrathful as he goes, the father mourns. He mourns the loss of his child. And all the days he'd be gone, he fears him dead and hopes for his life and that he might return. And my friends, this is the nature and the mercy of God towards us every time we fall short and spin down a bit of our inheritance. Secondly, all of the accumulated, after all the accumulated wrong and sin that the son had committed and the utter waste of all the glorious inheritance that the father had given to him. Again, look at the father. We do not see, see the heart of the father filled with wrath and a desire to punish. It is non-existent in the parable where Christ is describing is at the heavenly father to us. It's not there. Rather, the merciful heart of the Heavenly Father 
and the father of this son was filled with extreme joy that the son had returned home and was alive and he was delighted to clean up his son. Another aspect of this, notice this, that the father of mercy does not accept the son back merely as a servant. You see, remember, in the son's mind, he had reason that because of all I had done, I deserve a lesser existence even in my father's house. This is the reasoning of the son. I'm not worthy to be a son. Maybe he'll take me as a servant. But even the father turns the tables on the son with everything that the son is feeling, that he's reasoning about himself, and that he's thinking about himself. And instead of the son's anticipation and expectation, the father completely restores the son's dignity in the home. Utterly, without one loss, the entire inheritance of that <coughs> and the blessing of living in the order of that household. I want to sum up these concepts of the mercy of God by saying this. The divine mercy of God can be seen in two ways. It is the withholding of God, of that which we absolutely deserve because of our fallenness and our falling short. The withholding of that which we truly deserve. And in the same moment, the giving to us of everything that He is and everything that He has. That which we could never deserve. That which we could never earn. And we certainly cannot imagine the infinite benefits of the blessings of our Heavenly Father. You see, I pray that you're starting to see at least glimpses of the revelation of God's mercy to us. To you. That is there on a daily basis because it's important for us to see this mercy. And to understand this mercy in our lives for two reasons. One, so that we never become in some ways like the Son, but given over to the voice of Satan in our lives that says, you can't go back. You can't go before your father. Hide like Adam and Eve. Hide. No, he wants us to experience who he is. And that includes his divine mercy. Second reason we need to see clearly the mercy of God is because of what our Lord Jesus Christ does say now in the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 6. This is what he is calling us and bracing us to ascend to. Listen to what he says. Therefore, all of us, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you give, it will be measured back to you. He's saying that everything that he revealed about mercy in that blessed story of the prodigal son, and the words that he gave St. Ambrose about mercy and all the thoughts that we have considered, he's saying we must become the mercy of God in the same way. To all of those who are around us, having experienced for ourselves God's mercy in our own lives, part of our theosis, our becoming like God by the grace of God. Not only for our own salvation, but also that each one of us 
can experience the divine mercy of God through each one of us in this holy and blessed fellowship that we call the Ecclesia, the church. Listen, though, as well to the severity that Jesus stresses this in our gospel reading today as a holy plea to us to pay attention and let him form us into his mercy. He says these words, show mercy to others so that you will be shown mercy in the end. Show mercy to others so that you will suffer no condemnation in the end. Forgive one another. And in the way that you forgive one another, you shall be forgiven in that same way. We must become the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, God our Father, by God the Holy Spirit. And we must become the mercy of God to our neighbors. And who is that? We must become this mercy of God to our spouse. We must become the mercy of God to our children. And all of us who are children, we must become the mercy of God to our parents, to our co-workers, to those outside of the ark of salvation whose lives and the way they live and the way that they think and the destructive things they do rub us so wrong. We must become the mercy of God one to another. We must become the mercy of God to our bishops and our hierarchs. We must become the mercy of God to our parish priests. Right, Father? <laughs> you guys are a merciful bunch. I will say that, thank God. But we must become this mercy to all. And again, the only way, and I stress this, that we can become the mercy of God. And there is only one path to this is to set ourselves, go before the God of mercy Himself and experience His mercy in our own lives. There is no other way. If we are so knotted up inside and bent in that whisper of unhealthy shame that Satan speaks and never go before the Heavenly Father and allow Him to flood us with mercy, you have no hope to become the mercy of God. Even as all we're talking about these beautiful revelations of the mercy of God, and they're all very real, and they're all very true, and Christ is revealing it to all of us, even this morning, it really is only by the experience of the mercy of God that we become the mercy of God. We have to get beyond these beautiful thoughts of what we want to become and place ourselves and our ugliness inside before our Heavenly Father and cry out for mercy. My friends, why do you think? How many times in liturgy? How many times in our prayer services? How many times in our daily office of prayers do we cry or call to cry out for mercy? I'll tell you why. Because God is inviting you to receive it. He's inviting every one of us to have the incredible, free, unbelievable impact of the mercy that we're talking about of God flooding into our lives so that it floods out of us to others. That's why we pray, Lord, have mercy so many times. St. Augustine summed up the idea of mercy in this way. He said the practice of mercy is twofold. We see it in God, but our practice of mercy is twofold because of that. He says it's twofold. One, when vengeance is sacrificed. When vengeance is sacrificed and instead compassion is shown. He said the Lord included both of these in his brief sentence. Forgive and it shall be forgiven. Give and it shall be given to you. And then listen to what he says about when you show mercy. The work of showing mercy 
has the effect of purifying our heart so that even under the limitations of this life, we are enabled with pure mind to see the immutable reality of God. He says there is something holding us back which has to be loosed that our sight might break through to the light. Therefore, when we give mercy, it is that cleansing of our own heart. Please see all that the Holy Spirit is telling us through that blessed saint. If we, are not, if we are not experiencing the mercy of God in our lives, we're not becoming it. And when we are not becoming and growing in Christ's nature of mercy to others, it is very much stifling our ability for God to reveal Himself. More importantly, I should say, or accurately, for us to receive the divine revelation of God into our lives. When we are not showing mercy. And on the contrary, when we are givers of the mercy of God that we've received to others, the Lord shines the light of His countenance upon us, and we are changed forever by that revelation. It's at those points when we are actually and actively giving away our anger, giving away our right to hold on to the injustice done to us, and rather show mercy. It is in those very moments that the Lord reveals Himself most to us. It's in those very moments that He manifests Himself to us and we can know Him. It's like the psalmist saying, we talk about this all the time, we hear it in prayer services, when the psalmist said, Lord, show us the light of Your countenance, and we shall be made whole. And we ourselves, when we show mercy, we are being purified by the hand of God. We are the ones being cleansed when we extend mercy to our offenders. It is our soul that is being freed as much, if not more, than the one we're releasing. We are the ones being cleansed. And remember what Jesus said about those who are being cleansed and pure of heart, because when He told me, speaks to us today in Luke chapter 6, He had just finished teaching the Beatitudes. You remember what He said? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? They shall see God. They shall behold God. I understand completely from my own life and struggling with some of you at times when we're struggling to come to mercy that becoming the mercy of God to others is an incredible human struggle. There is no doubt because there is so much brokenness within us that our Lord is constantly healing there's something that has helped me, I'm going to share with you as I close, that has helped me to become and express the mercy of God when the humanity of others is, is coming towards me. And that's a prayer from our St. Aidan's prayer book, right in the middle section of those extra prayers. And it's called the prayer for patience. What it really is, and I've spoken with many of you about this prayer and given it to you when you're struggling. It's actually the prayer to take on the long-suffering, merciful nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you, tell you the words of this prayer. O most meek Jesus, Prince of Peace, who when thou wast reviled, reviled not again, and on the cross did pray for thy murderers, implant in my heart the virtues of gentleness and patience, and that restraining the fierceness of anger, impatience, and resentment, I may overcome evil with good. For thy sake, love my enemies, and as a child of my heavenly Father, seek thy peace and evermore rejoice in thy love. 
When you hear the cry of this prayer and it's joined to the soul, listen to what it's praying. It's praying for the mercy of God to be real in and through us. That we withhold our anger. That we don't express the humanity. That we snuff it by the Holy Spirit and instead let Christ's mercy flow through us in those moments to others. And that has helped me so many times when I struggle. So many times. You know, I pray that prayer every day in my hours of prayer because I deal with a lot of people all the time. I deal with my own humanity. If that's not enough, I get yours, right? But we deal with that humanity here, and it's to be dealt with in the church. It's the safest place for it to be dealt with and find healing. But I pray this prayer before I often meet with anyone in the parish. Because I don't know what humanity is coming, whether this, they're struggling with having mercy to another person or perhaps with me. And I don't want, no one needs to see and experience my fallenness in those moments. Everyone needs to experience the mercy of God. And we must take on that same disposition. No, I have brokenness. The Lord is healing. You pray for me. We should say this to one another all the time. And not if, but when my humanity reels its ugly head, please forgive. I'm, work, I'm, I'm working on it. And so is God. But we must take on the disposition that no one needs to see my anger, my response, my vengeance. The one who's struggling with me, when I pray this prayer, it helps me to see their humanity, not the actions coming towards me. That which Christ wants to heal. And so while we're meeting, I'm able to let that humanity come out and be praying for their soul. That they would be brought back to the peace. That they would become someone who lives and loves mercy. And that they find forgiveness in their hearts. Whether they're struggling with me or others. I think you hear what I'm saying. My friends, the Lord is calling us to ascend and become His mercy. By the experience of His mercy in our lives. He is refashioning us. Refashioning us to be vessels of the mercy of God. For all in this world. May it be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.